Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of being joined with Prashant Gulanti, who is the SVP of Strategy at App Orchid AI. This is a front runner in the enterprise AI space and leveraging over 20 years of experience in tech and the automotive sector. Um, before this, he was pivotal at Faraday Future, co-leading their IPO and spearheading the creation of the groundbreaking general AI product stack for vehicles. So he's recognized by Business Insider as a top VE industry power player. Um, and, you know, Prashant's insights have been featured in, you know, AI Magazine, EV Magazine, and a bunch of other big publications. So we're super excited. Welcome to the show today. Jaden, really, really excited about being here. Thank you for inviting me and uh, many, many congratulations for your million plus downloads. I think it was a milestone a few months ago. I uh, I appreciate what you've done over, over this year. Uh, you know, I, I have learned tremendously from your from your interviews, from your uh, from the stories, from the analysis you share. So again, thank you for having me and very much looking forward to our uh, conversation. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, happy that you uh, are listening and getting a lot of the podcast. And yeah, it's been a, it's been an absolute whirlwind of a ride. Um, as I mentioned, I'm excited to have you on. And what I kind of wanted to to kick this off with is I'm wondering if you can describe a little bit about your journey. Tell us a little bit about what led you from, you know, you were in the automotive industry and now you're, you know, becoming an AI executive. Tell us a little bit about your journey there. Yeah, I think so. Great point. And, um, you know, even before I joined, I was at Faraday Future, like you mentioned, right? Faraday is a electric car company. I mean, the vision is much bigger than just building electric cars. Uh, but I, I, I uh, before I talk about my transition from automotive to AI, let me just yeah. talk to you about how I got into electric cars in the first place, right? Yes, please. You'll see all, all roads. <laughs> so um, about seven and a half years ago in early 2016, my wife and I were about to have our first child, right? So at that time, we had this heightened sense of, you know, what kind of world is our child going to grow up in, right? What kind of legacy are we going to leave for him, et cetera? So, you know, we started to think about, you know, um, wanting to make uh, like a real difference uh, to shape the future as, as possible for our generations. And, and, uh, elect and, and climate change and artificial intelligence were kind of top of our minds. Like these are the defining problems and opportunities, right? AI was still not as hot as it is today, right? I mean, you know, we used to talk about, you know, Netflix is doing machine learning recommendation systems and stuff. So that was kind of AI or spam detection. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I looked at a few opportunities in uh, renewables, uh, energy storage, and, uh, you know, a bunch of places, and then clicked with Faraday. Um, 
the the mission of the company the vision of the company was very bold to transform the future of mobility and uh, it kind of aligned with my values of sustainability also so i decided to make the shift joined them in 2016 over a seven year period they did everything almost everything you can think of doing in a car company other than write code uh, right um, so it was a tremendous learning experience uh, building a car launching the car we did it earlier this year it's a fantastic product um then i like i said when I, mean, I i did not have an automotive background and people were just generous in, in sharing their learnings and, and and i was quite open to learning and doing a lot of yeah, cool things there um but anyway, one, one of the things that i did at faraday was i took the initiative to help um ff lead in the generative ai space right in automotive so um and i'll talk more details later but some of the work that i did help ff become the first car company in the world to show generative AI in the car, right? Nobody else has done it. So except, except Mercedes now, nobody else in the world has done it. Uh, and so that was super exciting for me, like just being deep down, uh, back, going back to my roots in software, being deep down, uh, deep down in technology. Uh, and as I thought a little bit more, I went back to my motivation into coming into electric cars was to save the future for our kids, right? Uh, for the most part. And, and there's just, you know, same thing is happening here, like with AI and especially with generative AI. It's just so much happening, um, and I, uh, you know, wanted to, like I said, shape the, you know, to to the best of my abilities, the future that our kids are going to grow up. And in, in doing that research, I ended up coming across uh, App Orchid. I've known the company for quite some time. Been a uh, investor also as a as a limited partner at some point. Um, and the company is doing just unbelievable work in in helping, um, you know, not just people in boardrooms, but people on the front, front line. So people, somebody who has to, the lineman who has to climb a utility pole. Like if you think about it, when we talk about AI or a lot of this press that we, and nobody cares about or not, it isn't in us as much conversation about impact of AI for people on the front lines, right? Yeah. The healthcare worker, on the on a teacher, on you know a lot of that. So we do a lot of work. We help companies help their people on the front line. So scientists in a lab who is doing drug discovery is something we do. We work with a lot of utilities, etc. So I'm very, very, very excited. We're very grateful for all of them learning um, and uh, you know for what the company is doing. So, so that's a little bit of um, it's it's not been very planned. Um, I have found interesting opportunities, and I think it's kind of all aligned with my mission and vision in life. So, uh, you yeah. know, I love it. In- absolutely incredible journey and I always love hearing that because that gives me so much context about you know where you've come from and, and what you're building and your motivation behind this I think that's such a great motivation to you know really leave the world a better place for your kids um, and it's fascinating you know adding AI is you know being the, the first place to really add generative AI into yeah. automotive is super cool super forward thinking and exciting of you something I want to get into App Orchid a little bit um, and talk about what you're doing there but first I wanted to ask you um you know, maybe what was one of the most challenging aspects of co-leading the IPO process for Faraday Futures? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, building cars is a is a difficult, complex, regulated, capital-intensive business, right? I mean, that's just the reality of car business today, and which is probably why you've seen. Uh, uh, I think Elon has has spoken enough times about this, like Tesla. And, yeah. Um, uh, Ford are the only two car companies in the U.S. that have not sort of gone bankrupt so far. Um, and so it's a difficult business and and the amount of capital that's needed is generally only available in the public markets, right? So we on, always had, to your point about the IPO, we always had plans to go public, right? But 
those plans kind of got um, uh, affected by COVID, right? And so mm-hmm. not prepared for COVID. You know, we were we were getting ready. Like you know, there's a lot of at least a year and a half of work that you have to do before you start to go IPO, right? So between twelve yeah. months at least. So you have to get your processes ready, your statements, and you know, um, uh, IT controls, etc. So there's just a ton of work you know, that has to go. And then COVID happened, right? And so we we suddenly had to have this find this balance of how do we keep our people safe, right? To at the same time for our car company, you know, you want investors to come see the car, right? How great this is! Yeah. It's real, and, and the technology is real. The people are, you know, so you know, and and see the manufacturing plant where we were. So it was very difficult to 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 make that happen, you know, to raise hundreds of million of dollars to build cars uh, during COVID. Um, and so it was, um, you know, just for for our team, for me, like it was a intense experience, like working 80, 20 hours a day for for road shows, for for negotiations, for diligence, right? Um, so it was time consuming, but ultimately very rewarding. Uh, so we ended up listing in 2021 through a SPAC IPO process. We listed on uh, NASDAQ. Um, I coded the process, like you mentioned also. Um, and, um, you know, we raised a billion dollars. We were completely oversubscribed. You know, we had to turn away investors, right? So it was a good problem. Wow. Um, so it was, you know, just raising money, keeping it all together, doing it remotely, you know, for the most part. You know, COVID was very difficult, but it kind of worked out. You can't bring cars remotely, unfortunately. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> it was very fascinating. And um, if I can maybe, you know, having done this now two or three times, like I've been, one of the things I do at AppWalker is among, you know, I, I, uh, I am deep dive uh, into technology, right? Building a lot of use cases, working with a lot of clients, but also corporate development, which means part of it is fundraising, you know, et cetera. Um, and having done this a few times, there's like a couple of things that I'm sure your listeners wouldn't mind hearing is, you know, one of the things that I've seen enough times is that, you know, a lot of fundraising discussions happen in our economics and control, right? Yeah. And these are very emotional topics. And I've seen the best people in the world, like that. Uh, carried away so you know to the extent possible try not to be emotional about it be passionate be convinced about your vision but um you know try not to be emotional about this the second thing is um uh you know timing uh you know like somebody said you know you should fix your roof before it is raining right uh so try many yeah. before uh before uh you know before you need it ideally and that's one of the things that we kind of learned in hindsight for us um and the third and final point is about accountability right you'll have You'll have um, access to bankers and lawyers and financial advisors, but it's uh, and then they are experts, technical experts of problem solving. But ultimately, the outcome of a process is your accountability. So, be in control of the process is very, very important. I love that. That's incredible advice and incredible insights into just that whole experience. You know what you learned and and what you saw. Um, something that I'd love to ask you about. So, you're working there. Tell us a little bit about your transition. Um, going from there to now being in App Orchid. What did that look like? How did you know it was time to to make that, you know, take that step? Yeah, so, you know, I have now uh, transitioned first from, I have a software background, I have a computer science background by education. So I transitioned from software that I did my MBA from the Indian School of Business, which is, um, you know, I, I made my wife there, so, you know, got more on investment. Okay. <laughs> So you know, did um, you know? Did my I, I used to be in software, then product management in software, then MBA, kind of moved to the business side of things. Did a lot of uh, enterprise sales. Worked as a chief of staff to a CEO um, at, at a company called KPIT. Um 
and and you know so moved from that software to business to electric cars and then within you know now i've transitioned to ai right and i kind of relate to share with you my motivations i'm not afraid of change i'm not afraid of let's say learning new things right and uh, and part of the reason is one of the one of the common themes as i have kind of switched careers enough times now right has been that i've found people having uh more than you would expect generous in in sharing their learnings right so When I was doing software, I ended up working with a guy who was compared to the likes of Larry Ellison, and the amount of stuff that I learned from him—just you know what we call hackathons today—we used to do it, you know, it's like sitting 20 hours a day in office. I used to sleep in office, right? Oh, um, I so anyway, my point being that you know, if you, uh, I think, so it was just happy accidents. I ended up working with really cool people, and they were very generous with their their uh, in sharing their learning. So. Um, You know, just having that confidence that you know you'll always be able to find people if you are well-being, if you're willing to put the work, right? You'll find the people yeah. to help, find the resources to help, right? Uh, so that was uh, very yeah, helpful. Uh, just talking about, let's say, uh, app orchid, like the transition to app orchid and AI and AI and automotive and in general. We just I want to contrast something for you. I mean, there's obviously a lot of yeah. for all the right reasons. Uh, investment also in, in AI, but. Um, I think we all know Mark and Reeson, right? Kind of wrote this essay about, um, I want to say, twelve years ago, ten years ago, uh, about software is eating the world, right? Uh, and then mm-hmm. Jensen Huang said, Prof Nvidia, he said, um, AI is eating the software that's eating the world. This is forty years ago. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've all seen how busy uh, AI has been uh, this year, right? And now you contrast it with automotive, right? And I'm, I'm saying software. We started to have this discussion two decades, ten, you know, a decade ago. AI in the last couple of years, you know, especially with the whole uh, shift to um, uh, you know the uh, transformer architecture and stuff. Do you think about this, and you then compare this with what the CEO of Ford, um, uh, Jim Farley, he said it in June of this year. He said Ford is literally learning to write software, automated software, for the first time in their hundred plus year uh, history. Right? Wow. And, yeah, I mean, not many people probably know this, um, uh, or uh, you know. And then Oliver Bloom, who is the new CEO of Volkswagen, kind of said the same thing. They are having delays in, or he attributed some of the delays in car launches to software. And my point is, there's so much excitement and promise and and what's happened in in the past because of software and how it touches our lives every day. But there are these mature industries, companies that produce eight to ten million cars every day. Uh, uh, you know, just between these two companies, like almost ten percent of the world output, and they're saying we can't even do software. I mean, I'm not trying to. Uh, oversimplify this when I mean, they've done great in terms of infotainment and software and stuff but there are a lot of issues in interoperability of of software safety issues you know standards and what are so uh, and and a lot of that is going to happen in ai also right uh, in the sense that the cars are a different business completely but um you will see that even within ai there's going to be a lot of polarizing um uh, topics like right? there's going to be a lot of advancements and stuff but I've been through enough of these uh, hype cycles and boom and bust cycles to know that uh, you know what we're talking today is not going to be real. It's going to look very different six months, you know. So, but I'm absolutely convinced that AI is going to just accelerate uh, developments across industries. Some will be slow to adapt, some will be very fast, and and, and that's one of the things we see at AppOrchid. Every company we speak with, and you know, uh, we work with the likes of Fidelity and British Petroleum and Shell and Olart. Uh, big companies, Fortune 500 companies, everyone uh, wants to understand how they can do, uh, you know, leverage AI to have this competitive edge, improve efficiencies, reduce costs, just create new things, right? So it's a very, very fascinating time to be in this uh, space. 
Yeah, so interesting. I think it's incredible to hear a little bit about, you know, how your experiences in the automotive sector help with your approach with what you're doing today and how that's all shifting. Um, you know, with all of this that you're working on, I, you know, I see you're you're definitely someone that has to make a lot of decisions on a day to day basis. And um, I would love to kind of do, uh, you know, ask you a little bit more about that. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about your approach to decision making. Yeah, um, that's a good question. It's it's one of my favorite topics also. If I, um, I learned, I was fascinated and completely blown away by, by just this, by this topic in the first place in 2008 when I was doing my MBA, right? I learned um, that the whole structure of the industry, airline industry, was transformed by two decisions, right? One was uh, deregulation and second was the hub and spoke model. Like, just think about this, right? For a 40-year impact on an entire industry worth hundreds of millions of dollars because of two decisions, right? And so I started to become very interested in, you know, um, how do people make decisions? How do, you know, regulators would or should be making decisions? How do policymakers should approach decisions? So I have done a lot of research, reading, I, you know, teach some courses now on decision making and stuff. Um, and just to give you an example of the work, uh, right, in, in, in my work in strategy, it's a lot of expert generalist type work, meaning, you know, you have to pick a new topic and kind of become an expert as early as soon as possible. Uh, so I had at Saturday, I had to uh, lead a project on manufacturing, right? So, uh, uh, you know, what, what's our manufacturing strategy going to be? Where are we going to build cars? How are we going to build cars? Who are we going to partner with, right? And these are irreversible type. These hundreds of millions of dollars of com commitments you make that you can't just go back out on, right? And um, not having any background in, in, in manufacturing or supply chain, right? I had to deliver this project in about nine or 10 months, you know, to work for stuff. So, uh, in, in, in a lot of the principles that I've learned over the years kind of came to play. Um, uh, I uh, one of the, you know, to answer your question, you know, how do I approach decision making? One is I look at the situation first. Is this a reversible, irreversible type decision? Then if it is a reversible type decision that I can change later, uh, that's something where I would optimize speed over, over analytics, right? Um, if it's a irreversible type decision, then I'll spend the time, collect all of your information, think through the problem that you're trying to really solve. The mm. consequences, intended, unintended consequences of it. So, yeah, obviously, there's a lot of rigor that goes into uh, thinking about that, making sure all stakeholders align. I've seen how surprisingly people rely too much on experience, right? Uh, and I've come to learn to you know use first principles, which basically means any anything that you're trying to tackle, you boil it down to first principles or you know uh, the the most basic approach that you know and then calibrate it from there, right? And um, there's a very interesting uh, book. Um, called the psychology of intelligence analysis, right? It's it's a ma manual that the CIA uses to train their or used to use to train their analysts, right? Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So check it out. I mean, and you know, people listening to this, you know, I mean, I, it, it's one of my favorite books. Um, it's it's available for free online. Um, uh, and and it's just I was, I learned so much about it, and you know, it's it's so important for. Their analysts will go, you know, let's say spend time in different countries, different culture, different contexts. So, you know, the manual kind of talks to you about how do you separate your your background, your assumptions from what the conclusions that you're going to recommend, right? It, it, it's really fascinating. So that was one of the things that I learned tremendously, separate your assumptions from your conclusions and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so that's how I approached it. And then you obviously have, a lot of financial tools now, right? And especially for the big ones, you'll use your net present value and, uh, you know, what have you. 
uh, and AI is just helping so much in, in all that analysis these days. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and then keep testing. I mean, you know, no decisions are not always will you have a perfect record. Um, uh, just keep evaluating, keep testing, uh, how you get things change, why it changes. So keep, keep uh, going back and evaluating the decisions. How I love that. What a, that, yeah, I think that's such a powerful approach and I really appreciate you sharing that book as well. I think, um, that's something I'll probably go and, and check and read yeah. myself. Um, Something I would love to hear a little bit more from you now is, of course, you're now working um, at App Orchid AI. I'm wondering, you know, what is like kind of their their unique value proposition for mission critical applications? Right. So uh, there's a good chance, let's say, if you are a water utility customer or, you know, and, and if you had a problem when you called and, you know, you would have called our, our, our platform, but we, we can't stay in the background, right? So we help our customers. So, you know, in, in now, in, in today's business, right, everybody wants uh, actionable insights. People want to get to decision. We were just talking about decision making, right? Uh, but that that path from from data to decisions is not always linear, right? I mean, there's it's complex. You will have data in different systems, in different countries, in different subsidiaries. So you have, you know, data is sometimes an issue. Then you know. It, implementations are complex, time-consuming, um, costly, uh, and and especially now with with LLMs and stuff, um, not always very reliable, right? So that's kind of the problem that we have right now. There's a lot of promise and opportunity, but all these problems exist. So what App Orchid does, and they've been doing it, I only joined recently, uh, a few months ago. Now, uh, the company has been in business for about nine years now. And what they've been doing uh, for the last nine years is they've been they've been solving this problem one step at a time, right? So, in, uh, so we, we do two things for customers, right? We generate insights and we generate analytics. Right? Let me explain what that means. So, um, if you're a company, we will come, you know, to your data source. You don't have to move your data anywhere else, right? We will come to you. We are software compliant, um, you know, HIPAA compliant, and everything. So, data privacy is is kind of guaranteed. We will come to you. We will build a knowledge graph from from your data, and then once we build the knowledge graph, you can ask any question you want from your data, right? You want to know. How many uh a car company, right? If if um, which parts are failing, which uh, suppliers are not uh, turning it on quickly enough, which parts should I be expecting, uh, you know, in, in the next few? So a lot of that question answering now you can do without creating dashboards. So there's no you don't need data scientists to be hired, you don't need the uh, AI developers and all of that. So we solve that problem of analytics first, and then second is we do our own AI models. Uh, about you know for prediction for optimization for routing for you know any uh, a lot of machine learning problems a lot of uh, data science uh, uh, issues uh, and then now you know obviously we try to be at the forefront of technology so we're very focused on future technologies like we've already done a lot of work in LLMs and integrating uh, with LLMs so we're very focused on um, uh, probabilistic programming and how that's going to help you know so so we're doing some you know work in that regard so, so that that um, uh, with all of this, I mean, our claim to fame is yeah. our companies take, let's say, 10 months to employ, we do it in two, right? So that time to value is our, is our, is kind of our foot in the door. That's how we also prove in our, our, ourselves that, like, uh, some of the clients I mentioned, VP, Shell, Fidelity, American Water, what are we, they're, they're south, then we reduced, so their uh, contract negotiation time is down from 80 days down to eight days, right? Just imagine the amount of, um, time and money saved. Uh, yeah. 
That's amazing. Very, very cool. Um, so sounds like you're doing some pretty impressive things today um, with App Orchid and, and in that whole space and some obvious massive time savings and, and help for companies. Something, you know, with all of this innovation that you're working with, um, you know, before and now, something I would love to ask you is, you know, what is what are some AI innovations that you are the most excited about that you've seen over the last year? Right. So, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's an evolving space and there's so much happening. Uh, and like yeah. I have been through this bus cycle, you know, either not bus, but you know, a lot of this hype cycle, electric cars in the, in the past. Excuse me. Um, what I have seen in kind of one of the most exciting things has been generative AI, um, obviously, right? And, and how it democratizes access to to uh, you know the benefits of AI and of technology to people, they, I to learn a lot about this. I obviously go on Twitter. I come to your podcast. There's a, a website called AIChimes.com, right? That I learn a lot from. Like it's kind of, you know like star stuff for you to read uh, and learn from. So generative AI is very exciting and how it puts the power in the hands of creators, right? Uh, individual creators. We are. Um, uh, so the other technology, like the you know, there's there's been some effort now on reducing cost and complexity and improving the reliability of of uh, LLM. So that's interesting uh, for me. Um, and uh, you know, for us especially in the enterprise AI space, we're just doing a lot of like we, we are just very encouraged by how open companies are to exploring this. Right? It's not just an experiment for a lot of companies anymore. There's there's a real need for. There's almost this fear of missing out and companies are moving really fast. So that's very exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I love that. I think that's so true. So much is evolving so rapidly. Um, it has been incredible to have you on the podcast today. As we wrap up this podcast, the the last thing I would love to ask you about is, you know, you've been recognized as a top EV industry power player. Um, and you're obviously, you know, you've been in a bunch of different uh, publications in the EV and the AI space. I'm wondering what advice would you give to young professionals that are kind of entering this new AI or EV space today? Yeah. See, the one thing I learned is, uh, you know, it's very important to be um, uh, be very motivated by what you're doing, right? So if you have a mission, I think you, you know, all of the ups and downs become very easy to handle, right? The second thing is, it's very important to be in the right space, right? So somebody said, hey, it's very important to be in the right work versus how fast you are going, right? So pick the right space, right industry, right company to the extent possible. Versus, you know, not just how hard you work. Third, like I also mentioned, um, uh, find the right kind of people like to work with. That's been the most important, most helpful thing to read. Uh, the um, I used to advise people, you know, read hundreds of pages a day uh, as much as you can. Uh, I have done that; it has benefited me tremendously. So, you know, learn across disciplines, um, uh, and then ultimately, the world is changing, and I think just you know, the having a growth mindset. Um, Things are going to change. Be open to the fact that the way we live, work, study, everything is going to change. So if you're not afraid of change, if you are open to um, accepting a new reality, if you will, I think a lot of that is going to be helpful. I mean, and and, and obviously, uh, do not forget to learn as much as possible about AI. Yeah, I mean, we've done spent a lot of time and focus and energy in the last few decades on software. Uh, I think it's time, you know, right from K twelve, you know, we need to start focusing on the AI curriculum, and I hope. Uh, uh, see a lot more uh, work and advancements and activity in that uh, space. Amazing. I think that's some incredible advice. Um, as as we wrap up here, I'm wondering if people want to connect with you or find out perhaps they want to try um, perhaps they want to try app Orchid, yeah. 
app Orchid. Yeah, sorry, blanked on the name there for a second. What's the best place for them to find that or connect with you? So I am, I mean, I am always, uh, I mean, I've benefited generously from advice and help I've gotten from people and I'm more than willing to, you know, pay back. Uh, so you question, somebody has questions about EDs, AI, just, you know, just want to show, please reach, reach out to me. Uh, on LinkedIn would be the best place, uh, right? Prashant Gulati, that's P-R-A-S-H-A-N-T, last name Gulati, G-U-L-A-T-I. And you can go on um, apporchid.com, that's A-P-P-O-R-C-H-I-D.com. So to learn more about the company and you can reach out to me and I'll help you navigate, uh, uh, you know, to the best uh, possible. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today. To the listener, I'll leave a link to App Orchid in the show notes uh, so you can find it there as well. Um, thank you so much for coming on. As I mentioned to the listener, thank you for tuning into the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a fantastic rest of your day. You're, you're doing 